Hello, my name is Heather Kostelnik, and this is my story. Recently, a few of us from Lakeland went on a pilgrimage into Northumbria. 65 miles, 10 days, eight people, one pilgrimage. We walked via an ancient path that St. Cuthbert took from Melrose, Scotland to the Holy Island on Lindisfarne, a tidal island off the North Sea in England. I've been on a journey with God for a while now. God has shown me some pretty amazing things and people, and God has taught me so much. I didn't have many expectations on this trip except to enjoy beautiful country I had never seen and get some steps in. But this was a pilgrimage. And for me, that meant a journey with a destination. And it followed the ancient steps of a man who loved God so much, he would go where he was being called and tell as many people as he could about God and Jesus. I started to want to lean into that and be curious about what God might be showing me. We had a rhythm to our days where we started out in prayer, stopped midday to pray, and ended our day in prayer together. It felt regular, grounding, good. And little did I know, a space where I felt God was kind of introducing himself to me again. These were long walks for me, and I realized I was not as prepared as I would have liked. I was stricken with fear and embarrassment that I would not be able to complete this. I was reminded of my limits. I might just be tested and fail. And I had some nerve to think I could just show up here and just get it done. It was truly humbling for me. But each day we encouraged each other. Something started to change. My muscles were sore, it was hard, but my body was working. And I wasn't doing this alone. As I walked, there was time to listen and to share. And of course, pause and wonder at the beauty of this country and how long ago things happened here. There was also time to think and be silent and just walk. The prayers and the scripture we had prayed together each day came to my mind frequently, and I started to feel the presence of God with me and those around me. We crossed into Holy Island on Lindisfarne while the tide was low, the sand and mud squishy, and the water cold. We took off our shoes and headed off together for the three-mile trek. The seals were barking far away as we moved past each way marker, pointing us toward the island. It was amazing and fun. On the island, two days to settle and retreat in silence for some hours, I decided to go where St. Cuthbert went to be alone long ago. I remember asking God when I had settled on a spot, what's the point now? What do you want me to do now? How do I listen? What are you teaching me? Let's do something extraordinary. And suddenly, all responsibility and doing left me, and I simply prayed for me, for my team traveling with me, and all those that God has put in my life. 
as I watched seals pop up out of the water every once in a while and the wind and the water, I just couldn't help but smile and just be loved. I've been praising God ever since. We spent our last night in Edinburgh before heading to the airport and for some reason, I started to feel panicked in my hotel room. I couldn't catch my breath. I prayed and nothing helped. I remembered the limitations God showed me and that I can't do all things alone. I asked God for help. All of the panic and fear went away and I was given the view of praying as I did back on the island. The seals, water, wind, and my simple prayer I offered and I smiled and fell asleep. Praise God. Pilgrimage has been added to my story. It wasn't only a walk or a destination. It carries on in everything I do and am. It comes with me because I feel God with me all of the time now. I got curious again, and I see that God wants to share with me and how much God loves me, all together with all of us. Thank you. Mark chapter 5, the Gospel of Mark chapter 5, verse 1. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when he had stepped out of the boat, that's Jesus, immediately a man out of the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. He lived among the tombs, and no one could restrain him anymore, even with chains, for he had often been restrained with shackles and chains, but the chains had he wrenched apart, and the shackles he broke in pieces, and no one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs, and on the mountains he was always howling and bruising himself with stones, and when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and bowed down before him, and he shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he had said to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? And he replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he uh, begged him earnestly not to send him out of the country. Now, there was a hillside and a great herd of swine were feeding, and the unclean spirit begged him, send us into the swine, let us enter them. And so he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the swine and the herd, numbering about 2,000, and rushed down the steep bank into the sea and were drowned in the sea. The swine herds ran off and told in the city and in the country told it in, what, in the city and the country. And the people came to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demoniac sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, the very man who had had the legend. And they were afraid. And those who had seen what had happened to the demoniac and to the swine reported it. And then they began to beg Jesus to leave their neighborhood. And as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed by demons begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus refused and said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and what mercy he has shown you. 
And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. The Gospel of Mark chapter 5, verses uh, 1 through 20. The word of the Lord. Well, the man now has a story to tell. Everyone has a story. Everybody here in the room has a story. Let's hope and pray you weren't possessed by demons. But nonetheless, we all have a story. The best stories always follow a little pattern. Every story you tell, sitting in the living room or in the back patio or, or anywhere you're at, uh, over meals or whatever. Once upon a time, everything was normal. And then, and then I decided to do something risky or different. And then I got in over my head and things went crazy. And then option A, things turned out okay, or option B, things did not turn out okay. That's pretty much the once upon a time and lived happily ever after story that we all tell all the time. We were just on Friday and a bunch of people were over at the house and we were all playing in the lake and we're sitting on the back patio and sure enough, people are telling stories, just normal everyday stories. And they all followed this pattern. Once upon a time, I was living a normal life, and then I kind of took a chance, and then I made some decisions, and things kind of got crazy, and then it turned out, A, good, or B, bad. That's just human life. That's what we do. This man, this man was filled with demons. Now, I wonder, you know, you read this, right, and you hear the story here in the Gospel of Mark, and you think, like, what's the backstory on this whole thing? What's the backstory? One day, I'm minding my own business, and then... How does one become demon-possessed? How does that happen? Do you invite the demons in, like willfully, like consciously do that sort of thing? You know, do you have to hang out among tombs or get involved in witchcraft or drugs or something? Do you have to be psychotic? What about a poor choice of friends? That's always a popular one. Do pigs have anything to do with it? Well, of course, you know, historically they're Jews, so the pigs are the obvious target of where to send the demons. And maybe he's hanging out amongst the pigs and he's violating his ethnic background, the Torah, the law. We don't know how people become possessed. You know, we just don't know. I mean, I'm not saying, like, don't ever eat pork again, but I'm just saying we don't know how that works. Well, anyway... The next thing I know, the man says, I'm sitting at the feet of this holy man named Jesus of Nazareth. So the story goes like this. Your story, the demoniac story, everybody's stories goes like this. There's normal living, and then, and then your next step is good or bad choices, right? Good or bad. You don't really know at the time. Well, okay, 99% of the time we know. But, you know, you make a choice, and then things go crazy. You get in over your head, right? And then pretty soon, hopefully, at least in this story in the Bible, you're sitting at the feet of Jesus. But maybe not. Every story follows this pattern, doesn't it? I'm not saying anything really strange here, am I? This is pretty normal living. These are the stories that mark your life. You have two or three or four of these stories in your whole life. I was living normal life, and then all of a sudden I went to the doctor and I got a report. It wasn't good. I was living my life, and then I met this girl, and we got married. And now look at all these kids running around. 
That's the crazy part. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, and then I decided I'd just get on Indeed or whatever, and I found another job, and I moved to Seattle. And all of a sudden, I become the Seattle person. Uh, you know what I mean? Aren't these the way our stories go? Isn't your Jesus story follow the same exact pattern? I was just sort of minding my own business, but I was feeling kind of empty or something was weird. So I kind of took a chance, you know, and I made a choice. Like, I think I'll go to church. I think I'll go to this meeting. I think I'll go to this concert or something like that, some Jesus-y thing. And all of a sudden, it gets crazy. There really is a personal God. I didn't think God was personal. You know, me, I fell in my rooms. I'm a, I'm a sophomore in high school on a January cold Monday night, and I fall on my knees in front of my dresser. I didn't expect a darn thing to happen, but I was just reaching out to God because I'd made some bad choices. And all of a sudden, there's Jesus. And now I'm standing on a stage in front of you guys. That's just the way it goes. What's your story? Your story is your way forward. Your past is who you are, and it's your way forward. It is who you are and it is your method of evangelism. I've been thinking about evangelism over the last few years. And since the 1950s, you know, or maybe even before that, I mean, you could even go back to like the 1820s, but we won't get too historically technical here. But you could go back, and, and Christianity, at least in the Western world, sort of changed. And it became this sort of, um, sort of the sales contract, this sort of proposition thing, like if you, you know, pray this prayer and say this, and then there's, you have a sin problem, and then there's a God, and then you got to walk across this bridge, and all this sort of thing, and it got to be this sort of sales formula, which by the way, in the 1950s, that's actually where it came from, was from an insurance salesman, and, and he set it up like how to close the deal, and it, become trans, it became transactional, and it lost actually its personal part, even though they were selling you to have a personal relationship with Jesus. But to get to that, you had to do this sort of, you know, economic transaction. And it lost its soul. And it lost its story. But what that really is, is just getting people to come in. And that's really just assimilation. It's not really evangelism. Evangelism happens uh, over, over a meal. It happens when you sit on your patio or on, around the dinner table or something like that. And you tell stories. And people actually begin to think like, I don't know really what you're talking about on this whole Jesus thing, but I want to be like you. That's actually what happens. And then God shows up, and that's the crazy part. What's your story? That's your story. You just say what happened to you. Now, hopefully our stories all end in a big aha, and we learn something like, I, I, you know, I've learned I've gotten smart over the years. I've gotten smarter because of God. I've gotten smarter because of my Christian friends. My Christian brothers and sisters told me that's sort of a bad investment, or that's a smart investment, or you should change jobs. You should date that girl. You should not date that guy. Stuff like that. That's the way it goes. And you get shaped into a better person, you know? But but you should learn some things as a result of this relationship with Jesus in this story. And that keeps adding and adding and adding to your story. Your story, you guys, is your most beautiful thing in life. 
I always, I mean, personally, I always feel like, you know, when you go to a memorial service for someone who's passed and you think like, you just get to hear just a tiny fraction of their story. Just a tiny fraction. And the best part of the person would take their entire lifetime to tell their story. This is how Christianity has gone forward over the centuries and centuries. People just telling their story. And you and I are next up in line. And we just tell our story. That's what we do. Uh, A famous theologian, Anglican theologian, Michael Green, wrote a book, uh, a technical book, called Evangelism in the Early Church. And Evangelism in the Early Church, he simply starts out in the introduction. He says, basically... The evangelism in the early church, the gospel went forward as gossip. The gospel went forward as gossip. And to tell you the truth, it mainly went forward with women. The church was founded really with women because women are the ones who went to the well at a certain time of day. And they gathered around the well and they talked about things. And uh, maybe some of those women were Christian. And that's how it went forward. Or they either went to a place where you did your laundry and you did it together because it's more fun to do it together. And they all talked. Or you did it while you were pushing sheep around, you know? Or, or you did it while you were in the market. You did it all these places, and basically the gospel went forward as gossip, not as a sales presentation. It went forward in everyday lives, because something exciting was happening in somebody's life, and then other people end up sitting at the feet of Jesus. You have to tell your story. You don't have to to contrive it. I mean, it's nice if it has a beginning and a middle and an end. That's always nice. But it doesn't even have to have that. You just tell your story. Well, Lord, we thank you for the Leos and their ministry. We pray that you would bless them and take care of them. We pray, God, that all of us now share a story together that we uh, can tell to others and so forth. So may the word go forward and may the Leos someday be able to uh, go back and do the job that we cannot do because we don't speak the language. So Lord, may, may the gospel go forward in the name of Jesus. And we all said, amen. amen.